Welcome to Practical Christian Living. If you are feeding the flesh, if you are sowing the seeds of sin, there's going to be corruption that's going to result in that. Sin is destructive. It is deceptive. That's why you get to think you don't have to fight it. Sin is destructive and it will bring destruction in your life. But because it's deceptive, you don't think that you're going to have the destruction in your life from it. Today on Practical Christian Living, we're talking about sin. Why? Because sin is deceitful and the enemy desires that we know as little about sin and its consequences as possible. But as Christians, we need as much wisdom as possible about sin, how to avoid it, how to recognize it, and how to guard and strengthen ourselves by nourishing our spirit. Today's study is really about running the race with endurance. Here's Robert Furrow with more from Hebrews chapter 12. We think we can handle sin. We think that we're okay with it. We think we can take it out for a walk. And so we have unconfessed, unrepented sin that we have harbored in our lives. And the Bible tells us, well, at least three things about sin. All of these start with a D, so it's a, a, a preacher's dream. Number one, sin is deceptive. This is really important to know. Sin deceives you. That's why you think you can handle it. That's why you think you're okay doing it. That's why you can see somebody else doing the exact thing that you do, but you think you're okay doing it when you'll judge them for doing the same thing that you've done. Your sin always looks worse on somebody else, but sin is deceptive. Listen to what Hebrews 3.13 says, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. You, me, we have been deceived by sin. You think, no, not me. I got it all, all straightened out. No, no, we all have. And if we don't watch it, our heart will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin and sin will ensnare us. And who can run a race being ensnared? The second thing is that sin is destructive. The Bible says in Proverbs 6, 27, can a man take fire into his bosom and not be burned? There's another passage that says, uh, if you sow to the wind, you're going to reap the whirlwind. In Galatians 6, 8, it says, he who sows to the flesh from the flesh will reap corruption. He who sows to the spirit from the spirit will reap life. So that if you are feeding the flesh, if you are sowing the seeds of sin, there's going to be corruption that's going to result in that. Sin is destructive. It is deceptive. That's why you get to think you don't have to fight it. Sin is destructive and it will bring destruction in your life. But because it's deceptive, you don't think that you're going to have the destruction in your life from it. Finally, sin, when it is full grown, James 1, 5, brings death. Now, praise God that it's sin when it's full grown brings death. Because some of us are in the process of sinning when it's not full grown yet. And you can read James chapter 1 if you want to understand what he's talking about from the time that sin is started and we're enticed by sin until it is full grown. But listen to Romans 6.23. You may know this verse well. The wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages of sin, when we sin, there are wages. You go out and you work your job and you receive wages. That's a good thing but the wages of sin is death. It, not always physical death, by the way. 
there are other things that die. Sometimes the respect that you have from other people die. Sometimes your reputation dies. We see that here lately with a couple of high-profile guys, one a high-profile pastor and one a high-profile apologist. When it became evident that they were living their life in a way they shouldn't, the respect, their reputation died when that happened. I saw someone take the books of the apologist and throw them in a trash can. Video online. I'll, ne I'll never read another one of his books. Sin is deceptive. Sin is destructive. Sin brings death, and it so easily ensnares us. And so we need to repent, ask God for help, be broken, cry out to Him. We need His help to overcome it. When we live in a world that accepts sin, when we live in a world where people will think that our church is too harsh because we teach that we need to get sin out of our lives. We need to do it. The fourth key is that we would run with endurance. It goes on to say, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. The Bible says in Galatians, don't grow weary in doing well. In due season, you'll reap what you've sown. Don't grow weary. Don't quit that you might not reap it. In Hebrews uh, 10, 26, at the very end of chapter 10, before he gets to chapter 11, which is the, the great cloud of witnesses, all of those people that have ran by faith before us, he says this in introducing the section. This is really what the section is all about. Run the race with endurance. Endurance is really what the section is about. You want to lay aside the weight. You want to lay aside the sin so you can run the race with endurance. Hebrews 10, 26 says, for you have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Then he goes into the examples of people running by faith and then he tells you, lay aside every weight, lay aside every sin and run the race before you with endurance. And the Christian race is an endurance race. It's not a sprint. Sometimes I see people fired up for Jesus and they're cooking and they're going to town. And sometimes I get concerned and, and it's played out over and over again over the years where they're here for a little while and then they're gone and then I talk to someone and they say, well, they're not walking with the Lord anymore. Hey, this is, a, this is an endurance race. Let's settle down. Let's do it right. Let's learn the word of God. Let's develop the relationship with God. We don't need to be in a hurry. We need to know what the truth is. We need to interact with him. We need to grow and we need to mature. And if you stumble and fall, then get back up again. Proverbs 24, 16 says, the righteous man falls seven times and rises again, but the wicked falls to calamity. In 1984, the 1984 Olympics, you guys may remember this. If I say the name Zola Budd, any of you guys remember her just out of curiosity? All right, so a good number of you. South African, right? That's what you think, Zola Budd was South African. What else? She was a barefoot runner, right? You guys remember that? South African barefoot runner. What's the other thing that we remember her for? She, she tripped Mary Decker. And Mary Decker fell to the infield grass. And I think it was Time Magazine that had that iconic picture of her on the front. There's two of them that I think of. One of them, she's on the, on the grass and she's watching everybody run away after she's been tripped. And she's got this just horrific look on her face 
like the, the absolute worst thing possible has ever happened. This was in the 300 meter race, by the way. The other picture is of her husband who came out and carried her off the grass with a, with a look of torment on her face. Now, I don't know that she could have gotten up and continued on in the race. Maybe, maybe not. I can't remember if she was hurt. I looked it up today to see if I could find it. It was 1984. There's not a lot about it anymore. However, you contrast that to a guy by the name of Eric Little. Eric Little was known as the Flying Dutchman. He was a Christian. He was a little guy, but he's fast. And in the movie Chariots of Fire, I don't know that he ever said it, but in the movie, movie Chariots of Fire, which was made about his life, he said, God made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. Now, I don't know whether that was a movie line or whether it's something that he said, but that's something that rings true to us, that God gives us gifts. And when we, talents, right? Not just spiritual gifts, but he gives us gifts as well. And when we use them for God, there's something about them. He famously would not run on Sunday. Do you remember that? And he was running, by the way, uh, he was competing against a Jewish guy who wouldn't run on Saturday. So this guy who won't run on Sunday and a guy who won't run on, on Saturday, they famously stood their ground and he ended up winning the races. But there's a story that's told of him before he got to the Olympics where he's running in a race and the same thing happens. He gets tripped up and he falls to the infield grass. And in the movie, Chariots of Fire, it's kind of old now, by the way, it's kind of dated, still a good movie. He looks up and everything goes into slow motion, right? It's a perfect director move. Slow-mo, people running away. Him like, oh no. But he gets up and he gets back in the race and he won the race. He literally was in a race that he fell to the ground, got back up and won the race. You can imagine there was a jolt of, of adrenaline, right? You can imagine that he was Olympic status, okay? This was earlier in his career. These other guys probably weren't Olympic status. But he was, and he was able not only to finish that race, but to win the race. And so if you are here today and you have stumbled and fallen, run the race that God has given you with endurance. Get up and get back in the race. God's there with his forgiveness. God's there to help you. God's there to, to get you back into the race again that you could keep running for Christ. There's a fifth and final key to running effectively and enduring. And that is keeping your eyes on Jesus. That's in verse two. All of that we've covered so far is verse one. You can see why I didn't want to go through too many verses. Looking unto Jesus, it says, the author and the finisher of our faith. Looking unto Jesus, he started it, he can finish it. Looking unto him, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What was the joy that was set before him? I got to think it's you and me. What else would it be? It is on that cross that he would cry out, Totelestai, it is finished. He endured it for us. And if Jesus could endure the cross, then what can't we endure? We don't have to endure crucifixion. People have in the past, Christians have, but we don't have to. I imagine these Hebrews who were deconstructing their faith didn't have to be crucified. 
It goes on to say, for consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your soul. Consider the hostility that he went through, lest you become discouraged and weary in your soul. When I think about keeping our eyes on Jesus, it's, it's that we got to be careful that we don't get caught up in other things, things that I think Christians get caught up in. They get caught up on in, uh, with celebrity pastors. They get caught up in denominations. They get caught up in churches. Churches are supposed to be there to strengthen. And don't get me wrong, I think that we should be excited about the church that we are a part of. But a church is there to help you draw closer to Christ and be able to develop ministry that would take place within that church. We get our eyes on all kinds of other things. How about getting your eyes on some horrible thing that happens in your life? There's a reason that, that when Jesus planned on walking by the boat, we're going to get here, by the way, and we're not too far away from it in the book of Luke that we see, we find Jesus walking on the water. And I'm really excited to cover that with you. Because there's some very specific reasons that Jesus walked on the water. And I'm totally sidetracked now, so let me get back to Peter. So Jesus is walking on the water. He's going to pass them by, it says. But they see him. They think he's a ghost. And Peter cries out, if it's you, then bid me to come to you. Which is so faith-filled, by the way. If it's you, then let me come out of the boat. And he gets out of the boat. And Peter walks on the water. There's a line in the movie, I Am Legend, with Will Smith, where Will, Will Smith says, there was one man who walked on the water. And when I saw it, I said, two, two. Peter walked on the water as well. We forget that. But as he walked on the water, the Bible says he looked at the wind, he looked at the waves, and he sunk immediately. He's looking at Jesus. He's fine. But he looks at the waves. What am I doing out here? And he immediately sinks and cries out, Lord, save me, which is the shortest, most effective prayer ever. And Jesus pulls him back, puts him back in the boat. And I always think that he should have said to Peter, good job, Peter. You walked on water, buddy. Only two people in history are ever going to do that. But he said, oh, you of little faith. <laughs> Why did you doubt? Chewed him out. He got out of the boat, walked on water. He got chewed out by Jesus. We look at the wind and the waves. We look at the difficulties and the hardships. That's what they were doing. We take our eyes off of Jesus. We start with this great example of the crowd of witnesses and we end with the greatest example of him who endured such hostility before men. And don't miss that he's saying to us, run the race with endurance and consider him who endured such hostility from men, lest we become discouraged in our own souls. Run the race. Run it efficiently. Don't grow weary in well-doing. Be faithful. Keep your eyes on Christ. And I believe that you will finish the race that God has given you to run. And if by chance you're not running it now, if by chance you are on the sidelines, get back up and get in the race. That's the wonderful thing about our God is though the righteous man falls seven times, he will rise eight. Stand with me, would you? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for these three verses. And we understand that they were born out of a great concern for these first century Christians who were Jewish, who were going to go back to the temple and begin to give sacrifices that had been done away with by the sacrifice of Christ. And Lord, we pray that we would effectively run the race that you've given us to run. 
Help us to evaluate our lives and to determine if there's any weight that keeps us from running swiftly for you. And get rid of the sin which entangles us and takes us down. And that we might run the race with endurance, keeping our eyes on you. Help us to be lean and swift for the sake of the gospel of Christ. And we thank you for this in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I'd like you to keep your heads bowed, please, and your eyes closed for just a couple of minutes. I'm going to ask that no one would leave early. We're almost done. We'll dismiss you here shortly. But I want to give you an opportunity if you're here today and you have never invited Christ into your life. You've never been born again. Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. In fact, he said, you must be born again. Then Jesus went on to say, he who was born of the flesh is flesh and he who was born of the spirit is spirit. You got to be born of the spirit. You've been born of the flesh, but your spirit has to be brought to life so that you can interact with the living God. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Old things pass away and behold, everything becomes new. God's got a plan. God's got a purpose. God's got a call. And if you are thinking of giving your life to Jesus right now, God's drawing you. Because the Bible says in John 6, no one comes to the Son unless the Father draws him. So God is doing a work in drawing you. And now you have a decision to make. God's calling you. He's drawing you. Do you invite him in? Do you receive him? John 1, 12. As many as receive him, he gives the right to become a child of God. Now you don't have to. You're given a choice. Choose you this day whom you will serve. And if you say, I like my life, I don't want to follow Jesus. I don't want to give my life up for him. Jesus said, if you seek to save your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you'll save it. But he will not force his way into your life. But if tonight, and this may be your day of glory, this may be the day that God has set aside since before the foundations of the world, that you would find the one who created you, the reason he created you, the plan and the purpose he has for your life. If you invite him in tonight, three things are gonna happen. Number one, he will forgive you of all of your sin. He will remember it no more. And there is no sin that cannot be forgiven. And there's no one who's so good that they don't need forgiveness. The second thing is that you're gonna enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, with the Father, with the Holy Spirit. You're gonna to get to know the Creator. You're gonna have this personal relationship with Him. Number three, God's going to reveal a purpose and a plan for your life. You are made for a reason. The Bible says in Acts chapter 17 that it's God who puts people in times and places. God has put you in this time. God has put you in this place because he's got a plan and a purpose for your life. If you would like to invite Jesus into your life, find that forgiveness of sin and begin living for him, then I'm going to ask you to do something simple right where you are. Just raise your hand. Lift your hand up now. Lift it up high so I can see it. I want to make my way around the room. I want to acknowledge your hand and I want to pray for you. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Today, if you hear God's voice, don't harden your heart. Just raise your hand. Lift it now. Again, lift it high. Anybody out in the pavilion? If you are online, 
then you can respond as well. You can say, I just want to, I want to give my life to Christ. He's there with you. You can respond to him. If you're on calvarytucson.com, there's a little button that says, I want to give my life to Christ. You can click on that. We'll send you some stuff. But for the sake of those, I don't think anybody here raised their hands. For the sake of someone that I might have missed and for the sake of those who were online, I would like everyone to repeat this prayer after me, including those who are making commitments to Christ. Dear Heavenly Father, I confess that I've sinned. And I know my sin has separated me from you. But I understand that I can be forgiven by the death of Jesus on the cross. So I invite you into my life and I turn from my sin that I can live for you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Welcome to the family of God. Amen. Now, if you are here and you prayed that prayer and you meant it, we have a new believers table. We've got a Bible and a new believers packet that we want to give you. If you're online, there's two things you can do. You can send us an email to saved at calvarytucson.com. Tell us your story. We'll have people who will interact with you on that email. Or you could text ready for Jesus to 94,000. You're going to get a link. Click on that link and it's our new believers card. Fill that out. We'll have people who will get in contact with you. We'll get you a Bible. We'll get you a new believer's packet. We'll talk to you about what you do now that you have made a commitment to Christ. Um, I was thinking about what I would like you guys to pray for tonight. I like to end with us praying for, for something. And I don't usually have it be about us. I, I, pray, I pray for you. But I thought tonight, let's pray that God would help us to understand our race, that we would run it efficiently and effectively that God would help us with sin, that we would win over sin and we wouldn't be entangled by it and deceived by it. So I want to pray for you. And as I do, just call out to God for help. Father, I want to lift up all of those who are here and watching and listening. Lord, myself included, we need your help. We want to do what these passages tell us to do we want to run the race with endurance. We want to lay aside our weights and the sin which so easily entangles us and keep our eyes on Jesus. And Lord, we need your help because our flesh battles against our spirit and our spirit battles against our flesh and we don't do the things that we want to do. So Lord, I pray that you would help us, strengthen us, fill us with your spirit, allow us to have the right heart, grant us repentance, for those who are in sin, fallen on the infield grass, grant repentance that they would get up and get back in the race and run that race effectively with you. And we thank you for this. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May God lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. And may you run the race that God has given you swiftly, efficiently, effectively laying aside the weight and the sin and putting your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Thank you for joining us for Practical Christian Living with Robert Furrow. We hope that our verse-by-verse -verse studies truly help you to see that God is real he wants a personal relationship with you, and His Word is life-changing. 
If you'd like to hear more of Robert Furrow's teachings, visit calvarytucson.com. For our local listeners, we invite you to join us at one of our two campuses. Our East Campus at Speedway and Camino Seco meets Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9.45 a.m. Our West Campus, south of Palo Verde and I-10, meets Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 11 a.m. Our midweek service times are Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. at our East Campus and 7.15 p.m. at our West Campus. If you prefer, you can watch our service at live.calvarytucson.com and also on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. Our online campus is available during East Campus service times. If Practical Christian Living has blessed you and you'd like to donate, please visit pclaz.org. That's pclaz.org where you can make a secure one-time donation or sign on to become a monthly partner on a reoccurring basis. Have you accepted Jesus into your life or do you have questions about salvation? We'd love to hear from you. Email us at saved at calvarytucson.com and don't forget to follow us on social media, Instagram at Calvary Tucson or Facebook at Calvary Chapel Tucson. We want to remind our local listeners that you can watch Practical Christian Living TV Sunday mornings at 8.30 a.m. on KGUN 9. Thank you for joining us for Practical Christian Living. Do you love Jesus? Do you want to dig deeper in your walk with God? Then you are a great fit for REACH College with enrollment opportunities. To attend as a student or an auditor, the courses challenge you to analyze your way of thinking as you grow in your walk with Jesus. Find out more at thereachcollege.org. That is thereachcollege.org.